1: Looking to get alongside of Fon Lafondra away from Davis, three-one running, three points running.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Elm Park Royals Preview Podcast, brought to you by Phantom Brewery. It's quite a big one this time. We actually have a top of the table clash coming up Tuesday night. How long have we waited to say that? And yes, I will milk that for as long as possible, shamelessly. Um, We are playing Sheffield United at Bramall Lane and it's first v second. Reading, of course, top of the table. Again, I will milk that for as long as possible. Um, (laughs) I can see my colleague, well, uh, Jonathan from the Shore and View, who is uh, joining me today, chuckling a little bit away at that. But Jonathan, how are you doing?
1: I got Sunday name as well. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> is that for chuckling at you being top of the league? That's why I'm going Sunday name.
0: <laughs> A little bit. Actually, yeah, I don't know why I called you Jonathan. I really don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's 2006 revisited, isn't it? Top of the table. Team Reading and Chef it, United. Where did this come is. from?
0: I, I've, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. I think most Reading fans are in as much bemusement as the rest of the league. And I don't think many fans will kind of doubt that you know it has been a weird start to the season um with everything that's happened um players going Paul in coming in or being confirmed for manager um yeah and I don't think anyone really would have thought us that we would be top after six games um but we are here it is a repeat not quite a repeat of 05 06 because uh, Sheffield United were top then we were second it was at Medeski or at Bramwell Lane this time but it's still quite a big game. Um, and I think everyone is looking forward to it. We'll kind of dive into Sheffield United a little bit, um, because to be honest, we talk about Reading quite a lot, obviously, on this podcast. We want to just get a bit of an idea at, into Sheffield United, what's been going on. Um, and to be honest, started started the season very very solidly. Three wins, two draws, one loss. That one loss came on the opening day of the season. Yeah. Um, Johnny, I mean, kind of give us a bit of an insight into the start of the season with you guys.
1: So that for, oh, that loss on the opening game of the season, one, it's against Watford, who just come down. Scary pace for days. And we had a lot of players injured. I think we've got 11 injured right now. But on that first day, we had a very makeshift defence. Not a lot of pace in it. And we even then, we gifted them their goal. So we've learnt from that. We, we've known what to work on. We've had players come back fit. We're getting more and more like the team we want to be. Uh, and since then, we've kind of hit the ground running, especially at home, uh, at home form this season. It's, it's let us down in recent times since, uh, since the first Premier League season, but now it seems to be kind of recovering. And I think that'll carry us through a lot. And obviously, with the players we've got available compared to, say, last year and the year before, even with the loss of Gibbs-White, it's quite a scary squad if they're all fit.
0: And that is quite a big if, as as you always say, Reading fans, I think, know all too well the uh, the injury list conundrum that can can often hit. Um, but to be honest, you touch on the home form there, yeah. Bramall Lane. I always I always think of Bramall Lane as a Reading fan as one of the hardest places to go because we very rarely win there. We will forget it. Well, no, we won't forget about earlier in the year because we <laughs> did win there, and it was probably one of the best away days that I was amazingly able to miss of course because my away record is shocking with reading um but we did manage to win there but before then our record at Bramwell Lane I think we previously won I think last time we won there was in the Premier League in 6-7 0- yeah. I think um and to be honest even when you look back over the last few years our I think we've won two out of about the last 11 or 12 games against Sheffield United quite a big bogey team um really for us but your home form, three wins out, three wins out of three. You can't really complain of that too much. Almost becoming Fortress Bramall Lane for you guys.
1: Don't want to jinx it and give it that title just yet. That's the kind of thing that them down road do. You know, they'll win, <laughs> they'll win one game in twenty and it's Fortress Swillsborough and all that. And I don't want to kind of go down that. But what, what we need to keep doing is just keep getting those, those levels of confidence back. Last season, first season, the fans were back. I thought people always going back Bramwell Lane and something. We were very quiet last season. Uh, as a fan base. Uh, I don't know if that's to do with the absolute boring shenanigans of Slavica kind of getting us back uh, to a, a slow start, or whether it was just people not remembering what to do. But up in our corner on the cop, we, we tried and tried and tried to get the levels going. And it wasn't quite there. Whereas now, confidence is starting to grow. We've we're sh- we're seen some good football, and the fans are starting to wake up again. And once the fans are awake, there's, there's I know I'm very, very biased, but there's no place like it. And that that can carry us over a lot of hurdles. So, what I don't want to be, kind of be too confident to. Yeah, I think that home form can only get better and better.
0: It can, it can. No, absolutely. And to be honest, there's there's nothing quite going to the ground and just before a game, hearing a song about a greasy chip butty. Oh yeah, It is it is one of like I I will say it, it is one of my favourite pre pre match little uh, little songs. It's it's. It's quite a good one to get you up for a game. I'm looking forward to uh, listening to it on uh, on Tuesday night again. But, I mean, out, out of the three games, seven goals, one one conceded. I mean, scoring goals for you guys so far this season mm. really hasn't been that much of an issue.
1: And that that's confusing because last season it was our biggest issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was just putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, and, I mean, when Oliver Burnie's scoring a goal... You, you kind of think, oh, wow, so, something's happening here. Something <laughs> something has changed. McBurnie's scoring. Something has happened. And that could only be a bonus. Um, I think when you look at the creative players we've got, you've got Elliman and Dye, who is an absolute whirlwind. A lot of people are talking about how Sander Berger could get poached up in the transfer window. Whilst I do worry about that, I'm hugely worried about Elliman and Dye st- uh, sticking around because he's as important as anybody else.
0: Yes, well, he has been your main scorer so far this yep. year. Uh, three goals out of six games. I, th- I think he's played all six um, so far. But three goals. Is he? Is he kind of taking over? Because obviously, there's there's one player that Reading fans will be delighted to hear. <laughs> Sorry to say that, Johnny, but they will be delighted to hear that isn't playing on Tuesday, and that's uh, Billy Sharp. Always seems to score against us, um, even though he never scored for us in his short-term loan when he was here with us. Yeah. Um, Is he kind of filling the boots of Billy Sharp? Billy Sharp obviously getting older. Is he the future?
1: I think they're very different players, obviously. And is a very creative player, uh, whereas Sharp is an old-fashioned fox in the box. The advantage to that is with the type of football Sharp he plays, what is he now, 72? He can play into his 80s. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? he He's never going to run himself into the ground. I think the problem is now is you start to see these wear and tear injuries. But I think once he comes back, with the job he does, he can still grab your goals. So I think Ndi is keeping the, uh, the goal-scoring tally warm for him to come back. Because can you imagine those two together? You've got a creative player on one side to then play it into a fox in the box in the middle. That could be even more dangerous. So as yes. far as filling the boots, maybe not. As far as keeping that space next to him warm, I'd probably say that's more like it.
0: No, that's that that's fair enough. And to be honest, I I'm not sure I do want to think of both them um, together because it <laughs> might be a bit of a it it would be a struggle for the rest of the league I think to keep up on that to be honest. So, but it'd be a, it, yeah. if you think about combinations, youth and experience, obviously, in die. I think only 22 or 23. Yeah, that's so right. it's you know youth and experience coming kind of coming together. And um and yeah, I mean you touched on Sander Berger as well in the midfield. He started the season fantastically. Had a bit oh, of yeah. a. Slow start to last season, probably with most Sheffield United players under Slavisa Kanovic. What's what's kind of what, what has changed in the Sheffield United kind of camp? Because if we do look back to Slavisa Kanovic, you had you come down from the Premier League, you didn't lose too many players, you're able to keep the likes of Sanderberg, yeah. Ryan Brewister, and all of that, but it just didn't tick. And then obviously, I think I have a feeling. Jukanovic's last game was actually the Reading game that we played yeah. at home and you guys won 1-0 and then he was sacked afterwards. Paul Heckenbottom comes in, <laughs> four-year contract. Everyone was kind of turning eyes thinking, Paul Heckenbottom, why four years? But to his credit, has turned it around and brought players like Sanderberg really back into the fray and playing playing well. Kind of what's changed under Paul Heckenbottom? Because to his credit, he's done a fantastic job.
1: Yes. I think we got to look at is the fact that when we were doing well in the Premier League, we had a tight knit group of players, a very tight umph system. With to Wilder's detriment, not much of a plan B. He had his system, his players. That's how we were going to do it. You remove Jack O'Connell from that, and you replace Jack O'Connell. We, we don't have sixty million pounds to bring in another ready-made Jack O'Connell because as he was playing at that time, at that time in the Premier League, if players are going for hundred million, that aren't unproven, Jack O'Connell's worth 60. We don't have that kind of money. We lose Jack O'Connell to a long-term injury. still out now. Uh, and I don't want to say get found out, but we're left with holes that we can't fill at a Premier League level, and we come rattling down. Now, Eckenbottom's put in charge temporarily. Nothing he can do about that. There's nothing he can possibly do to fix that team. The, the heads are gone. They'd, they'd been on a high for so long, and see it come crumbling down over one player in such a, such a whimper of a season. With no fans there to G them back up after a defeat, it just came crumbling down, and I think they wanted Bottom to carry on, but I also think they wanted to sell season tickets. So they went out and yeah. they got yeah they got on paper. I had reservations; a few others did, but we were we were confident. We probably got the right man, myself included. I thought track record speaks for itself. And then we got a manager, who, well, we, we me and my friends between us, it wasn't one that caught on at Bramall But we had a song between us. You ever heard uh, the song "I Did It My Way"? We had it for slavisi yes. With we we pass it sideways. <laughs> and that was all he ever seemed to do. Knock it back at the back. Nobody going forward. So you've got players, creative players like Die. You've got Sander Berger. You've got your Billy Shops. And they have nothing to do. They, they literally had no impact on the game. And then when Paul Ekinbottom comes in, yes, four-year deal. May have raised a few eyebrows. But he proved, he's, he's proven that despite his struggles at Leeds, or at the time, anybody would have struggled. I think Pep would have struggled at Leeds at that time. And then Hibbs, it's Scottish football, what would you want from somebody? He's shown he's a, he's a good coach, a good man-manager. And a lot of people compare him to, us. Always like a diet Chris I No, I think he's very different. They play a similar system because that's what he was brought in to teach the young kids to do, to get them ready for the first team. So whilst he's adapted the system, he also has his own ideas, his own way of playing. And there is a bit more, I don't want to say grit, but there's a bit more of feistiness to that midfield where that's been lacking under previous managers. And I think that's what's carrying us forward. We're getting more bite, we're less nice. I know it sounds horrible because it's meant to be a game of integrity, but we're less honest before we'd go down, we'd get fouled and we'd get straight back up or or we there they'd dive and we'd walk off and we're putting that nail back into it now we're like, no, if you're going to dive, we're, we're going to have a go at you for diving or if you yank us down, we're not going to get straight back up, we're going to sit on the floor for half an hour like your players are doing and I think that's working in our favour and I, I think Ekin Bottom needs a lot of credit for putting that fight and that desire back into the players.
0: Absolutely. Well, he took you to fifth last season. Yeah. Um, you know, stunning start to the season really so far this year. It's seemingly making Bramall Lane the home home turf for Fortress again which really is what home fans want and it it kind of it's it's a little bit like Paul Ince at the moment I think with Reading mm-hmm. because he's made Reading a very hard team to beat very gritty yes. i mean we played Millwall at the weekend and i know millwall fans aren't the happiest of bunches or the uh, most most kind but they were getting pretty irate at some of the some of the time wasting and it's just it's what sometimes you need to do you mm-hmm. know i think any fan that starts getting annoyed at that kind of forgets that, well, they'd be loving it if the boot was on the other foot and you kind of want your players to be doing that. Yeah. So it's just football intelligence. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I can't lie. I've been impressed with, with what I've seen from, from heck and bottom so far, because I was one of the doubters when I saw it, because I saw, like say, the contract and just thought, what? <laughs> you say you know, people
1: are crying under the time wasted as well. You, you can't forget that Farker took Norwich up twice by time wasting from the fifth minute.
0: It works. Yes. <laughs> it does. It works. It does. And Southampton in the Premier League, when when they went up, they'd always have a inj- injury in inverted yeah. commas between sixty and seventy minutes every single time. Um, so it's just what you need to do, you know. And it, it's it's football. It's gamesmanship. It's part yeah. of the game. Um, but one one player that's kind of come back into the fray. You touched on a, upon him lightly uh, earlier, but McBurney. Mm-hmm. He's come back. He's come back into the fray, and he hadn't scored for was it 11, 11 months? I think his goal drought went. Yeah, was it longer? Uh,
1: I think it was the eighteen nineteen season. I think it was. Uh, was it against Tottenham or Chelsea? One of those teams. So yeah, scored against a very big team, and then not since.
0: Quite a few more months than eleven months. Then yeah, no. Quite a lot. We'll, we'll just stick with quite a long time ago. He last yeah. scored, but he did score against. Um, he did. Luton in the week, and is. Obviously, I think you're playing in Die and McBurney kind of up top together at the moment in that kind of, you kind of alluded to having Billy Sharp and Die there. But how's McBurney kind of fitting back in there? Because I guess that's going to be key to kind of any progression really forwards with you guys.
1: I'm hoping the penny's finally dropped uh, with McBurney, like it did with Brewster. Once you started playing Brewster up front, instead of playing him out wide behind the strikers, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God forbid he scores goals. Uh, I think they're starting to work like with McBurney because people see McBurnie, they see his height, uh, they, they see what he did, and people think, oh, it's a target man. He's, he's never in a million years been a target man. Scored, what was it, 30-odd goals at Swansea. I think three of them were headers. The rest of them were similar to what he scored at the weekend, volleys, tappings, running off the last man, getting in good positions. And now we're playing him in, a, in his preferred position. Now we're adjusting how we're playing. We're not just lumping crosses into him. We're starting to see him get in the right places and we were getting frustrated. Few games that he's played, um, getting in the right places but missing some sitters, not putting the ball in the back of the net and we kept saying, we kept saying, once it's in, we just need one to go in off his backside and his confidence will come. Now, this one might not have gone in off his backside but a very good goal will do even more of the world of good Uh, and I'm hoping now that it might twig and we might see, ah, maybe if we keep putting him in that position, he'll get more goals and then more and we could see a revelation from him because if we get him firing, You've got Billy Sharp to come back, Illiman and Die, Rian Brewster firing. How much more dangerous can a strike partnership look?
0: You've you've almost got kind of four championship ready strikers yeah. there, really, which is a bit of a frightening thought for I think the rest of the championship, um, in all honesty. It's a nice position to be in, obviously, for you guys, but for kind of the rest of the championship, you'd be looking at that, myself included, thinking There's a
1: lot of riff and buts with there's... it though, isn't there? Keep them fit, keep them going, yeah. get them in the right positions, do this, do that. They're all the... it's not like you've got a one strike, it can go, go up and do what you want. It,
0: yeah.
1: we're, I think a lot of teams are missing that kind of player these days, though.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and kind of, we touched on the strike <laughs> force, but kind of the mid, the midfield for you guys mm-hmm. is quite an infamous, again, midfield at championship level. Obviously you've got Sanderberg and obviously Norwood, next uh, yeah. reading player who's started this season again, pretty fantastic. But he's, he's Norwood I always find as a very weird one because he, he's always someone that kind of goes under the radar but at championship level is probably still one of the yeah. better, if not up in the bracket of top five midfielders in the league, which 100%. is not because very few people ever end up talking about him. And it was similar when he was at Reading.
1: Yeah, he's shown his age a bit now. Um, even at Premier League level, that first season back in the Premier League, he was outstanding. Him and Fleck together, just untouchable. Uh, we've, we've of course, lost Fleck for a few months now, but back to Norwood. He's shown his age. He has a few off games. I think a lot of criticism that he gets... Is unjust. People are quick to jump on his back. But you forget that a lot of us need seem to think that when Norwood plays well, our team plays well, he does make a lot of things tick. He does dictate the tempo. He can ping it left and right. And he's got a notoriously accurate pass. And once he's fired on all cylinders and gets that consistency, there's not many midfielders in this championship level that can claim they've got the attributes he has. Would I like him to be a bit faster? Would I like him to be a bit stronger at times? Of course you would. Anybody. If you can't make a perfect midfielder at Championship level, you have to settle for what you've got. And for what Norwood has, I take him over a lot of others.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of, who who's kind of finishing off that midfield kind of for you guys? Because it's kind of, you've had, I think, is it, is it uh, Makati? I can't, I can't pronounce uh, it. Yeah. Ma- from Man City come in and obviously started against loose in the week. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't have the best first halves, I don't think. Do you think no, that probably... Not. Do you think he'll uh, probably come out and then...
1: I've had to watch it back on TV for reasons we talked about off camera. But uh, yeah, <laughs> once I watch it back, I just don't think it was this type of game. Uh, he had an absolute stormer in his last game where he would look brilliant. This game, away from home, night game against a team like Luton. No disrespect to Luton, they're a very physical team. They do play some nice football, but they do have that grit, that, that strength, that physicality. Maybe knocked him off his game a little bit. So whether we throw him straight back in and try and let him redeem himself... Who knows? We could start with Doyle, another low knee. Um, He's again come from Man City. We've got two Man City midfielders, both it young seems kids. To be
0: a lot of Man City players coming to the championship. Obviously, you've had the Vincent mm-hmm. Company revolution, and think they've got two or three Man City players. You've got a couple. Yeah. You youth system just pumping out, pumping out talent at the moment. It's incredible.
1: I think when you you swallow everybody up into your youth academy, you get to a stage where well, you have to let some go, don't you? Because it, when they it's get to true. a stage where they're not quite ready for the first team, because who would be ready for their first team? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they kind of have the option of, do we sell them or do we loan them out for a few years to see where they get to? And I think the, these are two players that are probably at that level. Got a lot of, a lot of ability, uh, a lot of potential, but they're not good enough for the first team. And do they really want to be sitting around on the bench or in cup matches when they could be getting first team regular football? And at their age, and, and I don't want to Graham soon sit it up, but they do need to maybe play the, play the man's game a little bit more. They do need to get some muscle and bustle. And McAtee showed that because once he got muscled around a little bit, he, he kind of went off his boil. So they need this kind of football to kind of get them ready for the, there are physical teams in the Premier League and they need to be ready for that. Not every game is a nice stroking game of Champions League football on FIFA. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. They need to have that, that bite to them as well. I feel like I've said bite 30,000 times. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> you love it as a, you love it as a fan though. Just, just getting yeah. into, getting into players and kind of getting into the game kind of side so, so of things. But um if you had to pick one player for mm-hmm. Reading fans to kind of look out for tomorrow, obviously we've covered quite a few. Who would kind of be your your man to watch, your player to mm-hmm. watch?
1: Oh, I could go with the obvious, Sanderberger or Llorandai. But I think what you need to watch is um, here we go. Anela and then Anela I think is pronounced.
0: I will leave you to pronunciation.
1: The Bosnian centre half. He's he's definitely one to watch. We've. We've been calling him Chris Basham's love child, and that, that sounds strange, but he, he's great at going forward like he is, better on the ball than he is, cracking defender, physical, carries the game forward, he makes a lot of runs into the opposition box, that old-fashioned Sheffield United overlapping centre-half thing that was mentioned in the press every five seconds when we were in the Premier League, despite the fact we'd only been doing it for three years. <laughs> um, but I, I think he's very adept at doing that, and obviously been younger than Basham, got a lot more legs for it so he can get back and defend as well. If you've got any kind of chance of breaking us down and, and keeping us in our own box, so to speak, you need to be keeping an eye on him and watching him for getting the ball and making the runs. You need to... Sounds daft for a centre-half. You need to be mad-marking him at times. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, for, for Reading fans who might not remember that name, I think he plays number 15 for Sheffield United. Yes. So just so just keep an eye out for number 15 I'm not going to try. I was I was going to try and pronounce his name because I've got it up in front of me. I'm not going to. It's it's.
1: yeah the first name number gets you 15. alone because the first name alone gets you
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so, so so yeah so just number 15 running fans just keep keep an eye on that one um
1: and how long do we go for when start calling him bob that's the thing. bob
0: yeah yeah or just chris Basham's love child i guess it's probably yeah. it's probably as easy to be honest C, um, cb2
1: that'll be it CB2. cb2
0: oh yeah there we go i think i, I think that's I think we have officially found the solution to his name here on Elm Park Rolls Podcast exactly. for you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so kind of looking ahead to the game tomorrow, we've touched upon it, top of the table clash, first against second. What are your expectations for it, Johnny? Because obviously you've had three wins at home so far. I'm mm-hmm. expecting a win, expecting Reading to come out and make it a difficult game. What's your anticipations for it?
1: So you've found one of these fans that never expects a win.
0: I, <laughs> I always say...
1: If I, if I expect a draw, a win's a bonus. Realistically, on paper... It's a nice I'm way
0: not, to live as a football fan, that, to be honest. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> 100%. It, it takes a lot of stress out of things. But once you get your ticket into the turnstile and you get in your seat and the adrenaline takes over, it's like, yeah, well, we're going to win this one. And it's like, oh, no, why have I said that? Why have I said that?
0: <laughs> you start <laughs> you know? piling the bets on
1: and... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But looking at this game, it's, on paper, it should, should it really be close? Probably not. In reality, look where you are in the division. I, I can see this being a 1-0 game. I, I said that. I said it was going to be 0-0 against Luton. This one, uh, it'll probably be a 0-0 I've said 1-1. But yeah, it, I can see a 1-0 draw. Uh, early goal for yourselves. The dark Arts coming out, winding the crowd up because we are one of these fan bases that do get wound up with time-wasting. Uh, we're singing, I think we beat Norwich in the return fixture after they'd done it to us earlier in the season. Uh, that's in 2017. You know, you can hear with the United fans singing, take your time, take your time, Chef United in retaliation yeah. uh, to the time wasting. So if you get the crowd riled up, that'll get the players riled up. And we'll be looking to get that, say, last minute equaliser. Or if we can somehow snatch an early goal, we go back to top of the league, 4-0 win. Whoop, whoop.
0: <laughs> that would be good for you guys. Not so good for us, given we've yes. already had one 4-0 win, which I unfortunately experienced at Rotherham. Um, mm. You kind of mentioned it though, scoring early, We've kind of hit both sides of that because we started off the season always conceding in the first five, ten minutes, yeah. and now we've kind of changed it the other way around and scored in the first five, ten minutes. And almost once we get ahead, like you say, the time-wasting shenanigans does come out. I will not lie about that because mm. against Millwall, there was, I think, seven minutes of added time, and I was surprised that there was only seven minutes. Um, it was one I of those to see in double
1: digits of... come up.
0: Well... I mentioned it to the guy next to me and we both were like, this could be 10 minutes of added time here. Yeah. Like that's how bad it was. Um, and I won't make any bones about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we could nick a one, one draw, I would be f- delighted because yeah. we never do well against Sheffield United. They're an epitome of a bogey team for Reading FC. So a draw would be fantastic. But like you, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a never too optimistic um, yeah. fan of Reading. I'll, I, <laughs> I could probably just see almost a 2-0 win for United. Yeah, I think if I'm if I'm being honest I'd love to see a 1-1. I hope your prediction is right. Please be right. <laughs> um but no I I'm going to go with a with a probably a 2-0 um, win for Sheffield tonight because I'm going as well and I never see Reading win up north. It's 16 games now, 16 games up north that I have not seen a win at. So apologies to all other Reading fans that are going. You hope, you're hoping that um, if you and,
1: mention it enough that it'll reverse the jinx, aren't you? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, law of averages, it's got to change at some point. It has to change. I've been saying this to Alex who does the podcast as well and I go with and our record is just abysmal together. It has to change at some point. <laughs> Hopefully, will it be Tuesday night? Let's hope so. I'm not too confident, but we'll see. I mean, Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you you on. Um, do you want to just give a quick shout out to to your podcast?
1: Yeah, uh, we're Sheffield United fan channel over on YouTube. It's the Shore and View. I think it's just Shore and View on YouTube, but the Shore and View on other social media. Do match day vlogs and preview shows called Beer and Breakfast. It's more of a lighthearted grown-up look at football. Um not so much if you're under eighteen. You may want to not come over to the channel. I've been very PG for you guys, but uh, not all the time. They're not these uh, these children's vlogs of oh, I'm at the game and yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, old-fashioned football days out, and it's it's a good laugh for those that are interested
0: brilliant stuff. Well, if anyone wants to see some Sheffield United tears when we eventually do win because we've <laughs> all not predicted a Reading win, so it's going to happen, make sure you head on over to to uh, to the Shoreham Views YouTube and you can revel in that match day vlog. Um but that that There will be misery much...
1: if that happens. There <laughs> will be misery.
0: I mean, we can pretty much wrap it up there, Johnny. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Top top guy. Um and yeah, we will catch you for the Post match podcast probably be released Wednesday evening for all of you guys uh, listening. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank You're
1: me.